Christian Parent Crazy World with Catherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you raise godly kids in an ungodly world. I'm your host, Katherine Seegers, and today's episode tackles this critical question. How does the Christian worldview create the world we all want to live in? Mmm, that's a good one, isn't it? This is it, mamas and papas. This is the culmination of all the hard work we have done in the last three episodes to understand worldviews. I'm so excited, aren't you? What can I say? I get excited about weird things. But this episode will help you and your kids defend the Christian worldview. This is where we we finally see how these other worldviews don't add up, where they where they start to fall apart because they don't accurately explain and represent reality and more importantly, the outcomes we want in our reality. Yep, we've got a lot on our plate today. So let's get started. Now, as I explained in the last episode, today's episode is like one of those bonus scenes at the end of your favorite movie where you learn stuff that is better than the movie. This bonus scene has to do with the logical outcomes of various worldviews. Now, my source for this bonus scene is a phenomenal writer named John Zmirak. He is the senior editor for The Stream, which is an online source for breaking news, Christian inspiration, and conservative commentary. I I love this website, and I am a big fan of Zmirak. I would love to write for these guys someday, but I'm a little busy at the moment. So, Smirak is a Yale graduate who went on to get a PhD in English from LSU. Seriously smart guy. I love his writing. He's he's edgy, quite edgy, actually. Honestly, <laughs> he's pretty in your face. But he's incredibly enlightening, insightful, and informative. So I was I was listening to the Eric Metaxas show, which I also love, and John Zmirak was uh, the guest on this show in a recent episode, and he was talking about how as Christians, we have got to stop conceding values and conclusions that are the natural result of the Christian worldview to other worldviews that didn't earn them. <sighs> Oh, I love the standing ovation. Thank you, John Zmirak. My sentiments, exactly. To quote one of Zmirak's articles, he says, Give back those Christian ethics. You haven't paid for them. Oh, I love it. I love it. Them's fighting words, but them's true words. So true. And they are worth fighting for, as are the principles and natural outcomes of the Christian world of view. So I want to walk through what Zmirak means by that, because this point is so critical for, for us and for our kids to understand. We need to follow worldviews through to their logical conclusions. We need to recognize those conclusions historically. And to do that, let's 
use a prevailing issue of our day that we pretty much all agree on regardless of our worldview. Let's talk about racism. Across the board, from almost every worldview, there is a consensus or a near consensus, unless you're a racist, that racism is evil. It is abhorrent. It is vile. Now, we may not all define racism the same way, but I think that everyone, or most everyone, agrees that oppressing, looking down upon, marginalizing, silencing, withholding rights and protections and and opportunities afforded to others in our society from certain people groups based on the color of their skin or ethnicity is wrong. Side note, there are a few worldviews that don't agree with this position, but, but most do. Now, from the Christian worldview, how do we arrive at the conclusion that racism is wrong? Well, Scripture teaches us that God created everyone. He loves us equally, and he paid the same price to save each one of us. As the children's song goes, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. (laughs) See, I told you I might sing in the last episode. Actually, the little refrain that I just did wasn't what I was referring to. I might have some three-part harmony for you in a bit, but you got to stick around to find out. Now, the Christian worldview tells us that we are precious to God because he made us to be divinely unique. Our race, our skin color is a sacred gift from God. Preserving that gift, validating that gift, protecting and and celebrating that gift is foundational to the Christian ethic and the Christian worldview. But how do you arrive at the conclusion that racism is wrong from a naturalist worldview? Hmm? Hmm? I'm going to let that one linger for a second. Good question. David Hume, who is generally considered one of the most influential and important philosophers to ever write in the English language, said, you cannot derive an ought from an is. Now, Hume was not a theist, by the way. Darwin considered Hume's thoughts to be instrumental in developing his own theories. But Hume recognized the limitations of the knowledge we can gain by observing the natural world through science. So he correctly and astutely identified this very cogent saying that you cannot derive an ought from an is. That means that what we perceive in the natural world scientifically, what is, cannot lead us to a moral conclusion about what ought to be. In other words, scientific discovery cannot determine right and wrong. But according to the naturalist worldview, science is the only source of knowledge and truth. You and I are the product of a, of a chance combination of non-living things. There, there is no higher authority who created us, who, who loves us, who paid an equal price to redeem us. According to the naturalist worldview, 
Darwinian macroevolution is how we got here. And that theory teaches us that only the fittest survive. As a matter of fact, just today, just today, I saw an article on Christian Headlines about Richard Dawkins. Now, if you don't know, Professor Dawkins is the world's premier evangelistic atheist. He wrote books like like The God Delusion and An Outgrowing God. Now, Dawkins is on a crusade to rid the world of any notion of a creator. He, he obviously has a naturalistic worldview through and through. The article said that according to the Christian Post in 2014, Dawkins, in response to a woman saying that she would be faced with a, quote, real ethical dilemma, end quote, if she were to become pregnant with a child with Down syndrome, Dawkins tweeted, abort it and try again. It would be immoral to bring it into the world if you have a choice. Wow, it's that's hard to read, honestly. While admitting he doesn't know anyone with Down syndrome, Dawkins is now backpedaling just a little bit. He says now, from his naturalist worldview, that it would be, quote, wise and sensible to abort a child if you knew that he or she had Down syndrome. I said the he or she. He likes using the pronoun it. That is the logical outcome of a naturalist worldview where only the fittest should survive. So, according to the naturalist worldview, why then is racism wrong? Why was Martin Luther King right in his advocacy for equal rights under the law for black people? And why was Hitler wrong for exterminating individuals of another ethnicity who he saw as a threat? Why was Hitler wrong to promote the needs and wants of the Aryan race over all others? Survival of the fittest is how the human race came into existence. Why should that same ethic not still apply to how we survive as separate people groups? Hmm? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's try those questions on for size. Why were why were Mao and Lenin and Stalin wrong for advancing their power at the expense of millions of people? I don't know how you make an argument that racism and oppression is wrong from a naturalistic world view. I don't. I don't see it. Likewise, how do you arrive at the conclusion that racism is wrong from a postmodern worldview? That's the other prevailing worldview of our day, especially in the West. Again, to review a little bit about postmodernism, that says that reality must be interpreted through our language and our cultural paradigm and truths are, are mental constructs meaningful to individuals within a particular cultural paradigm. They do not apply to other paradigms. That means truth is relative to your own culture. Postmodernists deny that there are any objective or absolute moral values. So if truth is relative to one's own culture and there are no objective or absolute moral values that transcend one's culture, 
then how can we say that Hitler was wrong to exterminate the Jews? His culture was different from our culture. So his truths and values were different. And how can we say that the European slave trade was wrong? Hmm? 18th and 19th century European and American colonial culture was, was different than our culture. So their truths and their values were different. Truth is relative to culture and it is ever evolving. So how can we say our truth is right and their truth is wrong? Hmm? <laughs> I don't see how we can. And furthermore, Postmodernists are often, if not mostly, Darwinian evolutionists. That's a, a theory that tells us that only the fittest survive. Why were these previous totalitarian regimes wrong to advance their power, subjugating the weak in order to survive? That is how the human race got here, according to their world view. I don't see how you can arrive at the conclusion that racism is wrong from either the naturalist or postmodern worldviews, which are the most prevalent and influential worldviews of our day. And yet, that is the conclusion they have arrived at time and time again. How did they arrive at those conclusions? Hmm? I'm about to tell you how in just a bit. But let me just say, they did not arrive at those conclusions organically. They did not naturally grow out of the foundation of their ideas. No, 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 no. They did something a little unethical, I would say, in order to get those conclusions. But first, let's ask what should be the most relevant and obvious question when it comes to our racist past. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. What values did lead us out of the slave trade? It's time for another history lesson here. You know, you know, I think I should have some history lesson theme music. Don't you think? That would be so fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'll just stick that on my massive to-do list. <laughs> okay, so the values that led us out of the European slave trade were the values of William Wilberforce. Wilberforce was the driving force, literally, he was, he was aptly named, behind the abolition of slavery in England. And subsequently, 
It was, it was like a domino effect that caused slavery to be outlawed in the rest of the Western world. Wilberforce was a devout Christian. He was an early riser who studied the scriptures daily. He committed his life to the service of God. At one point, he wanted to be a minister, but God called him to parliament in Great Britain to political activism. And in that service, he fought overwhelming pressure, both private and public governmental forces that fought to keep slavery legal. But Wilberforce, (laughs) Wilberforce would not be swayed, not as long as any man, woman, or child was enslaved by the British Empire. He was on a holy mission from God. His Christian faith, his biblical theistic worldview fueled his passion to see justice served and freedom restored to his black brothers and sisters. And he was joined by many other Christian abolitionists, men like John Newton, who had been a slave trader for over two decades. Newton talked of being haunted by 20,000 ghosts, the ghosts of thousands upon thousands of, of men, women, and children who he made into slaves. But Newton was radically saved and overwhelmed by the grace of a God who could forgive him for his horrific abuse of the African slaves. Newton penned the song we all know and love out of his gratitude for God's grace. He wrote the beloved hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I Those beloved words were written by a slave trader, a man who boarded up ships with human beings, who he transported across an ocean and sold. He was a wretch, and he knew it, but he was radically saved. And then John Newton fought the slave trade to his dying day, seeking redemption. Ironically, Newton went blind. He lost his physical sight, but he could see clearer than ever. God opened his eyes. What worldview led a slave trader to become an anti-slavery activist. It wasn't atheism. Mm-mm. It wasn't agnosticism or, or existentialism. It wasn't postmodernism. It wasn't pantheism, polytheism, or pluralism. It wasn't moralistic, therapeutic deism. Nope. No. It was the Christian worldview. 
the Christian worldview made a racist slave trader into an ardent abolitionist. The Christian worldview fueled William Wilberforce's passion. The Christian worldview was at the heart of the Underground Railroad and the efforts to free the slaves in the United States. The Christian worldview burned like a fire that would not be quenched in the heart of a man who had a dream that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners could sit down together at the table of brotherhood. Of course, those were the prolific words of Martin Luther King Jr., a man who spearheaded a movement about whom Dr. Alan Keyes so astutely said, we forget, don't we? When we, when we talk about the civil rights movement and all of these things, you think it was an accident that Martin Luther King was a preacher? Because I know it was not. Of course, it wasn't an accident that this man had a Christian worldview. Nor was it an accident that William Wilberforce had a Christian worldview. Nor was it an accident that John Newton was radically saved through a Christian worldview and he could no longer peddle human flesh for a living. Because the Christian worldview tells us that we are equal because God paid an equal price to redeem us. And we should be free because Christ died to set us free. It was the Christian worldview that led, led Frederick Douglass and, and Susan B. Anthony and Lucretia Mott to fight for the slaves to be free in the United States. And they went on to fight for women to be free. How do you arrive at that conclusion? The conclusion that we are equal and we should be free regardless of our race or gender from another worldview? You can't. Because when truth is relative and arbitrary, when it changes from time to time and culture to culture, when there is no higher authority who loves us equally and pays an equal price to free us, then survival of the fittest is the only answer we have in our ever-evolving culture. And racism is perfectly fine as long as it's the prevailing attitude of your day. There is no foundational reason from the naturalist or, or postmodern worldviews to claim that racism or a whole host of other social ills are wrong. And yet people with the naturalist and postmodern worldviews claim that racism and a whole host of other ills are wrong every day. On what philosophical foundation do they make this claim? They don't have one. So like John Smirnak said, they have stolen the values and natural conclusions of the Christian worldview and passed them off as their own. And he encourages us to stop, as Christians, to stop conceding this ground. Stop allowing others to abscond with our moral conclusions, conclusions that were derived from the Christian worldview and pass them off as their own. Their philosophy and presuppositions, their worldview doesn't allow you to arrive at those conclusions and, and ethical outcomes 
They did not earn those Christian values. They did not pay for them. Wilberforce, Newton, Martin Luther King, and thousands of others with the Christian worldview did. Whew. I get a little excited when I talk about the Christian worldview. Man, we got to know this stuff. We got to know this stuff, mamas and daddies. We got to know this stuff, and we got to teach it to our kids. So, yes, while it is tempting to find that common ground with other worldviews, it's so tempting to find places where we can all agree. I think we need to push back and we need to prepare our kids to push back. The Christian moral stance that racism and and many other social ills are evil is well-founded. According to our worldview, other worldviews should not be allowed to claim those ethics as their own. They did not pay for them like William Wilberforce and John Newton and Martin Luther King did and Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony and Lucretia Mott did. They did not pay for them like so many Christian abolitionists in the Underground Railroad did. They did not earn them. So we must not let them tout those values as their own. I'd like to leave you with an analogy that brings this bonus scene home on how the Christian worldview creates the world we all want to live in. A bunch of Christian theologians, philosophers, ministers, activists, artists, architects, and agriculturalists planted a forest and built a thriving community from the lumber that they grew. But then some naturalist and postmodern contractors stole the trees these Christian missionaries planted, and they stole their blueprints and and built houses and businesses that looked just like the Christian community. And they took credit for the trees that they didn't grow, and they took credit for the communities that they didn't know how to build. Moms and dads, we have got to know our history. And we need to, in a a very gracious and Christ-like way, insist that these contractors, these modern architects of society, get their own trees. They didn't plant these trees. They didn't grow them and harvest them. And they didn't pay for them. And they didn't know how to or what to build with them. They need to use the trees grown on their own land, in their own soil, to build their own communities, if they can. The fact is, they can't build communities that anyone wants to live in with their own trees. So so they have to take ours, and they have to rewrite history. Otherwise, we will find them out. This is the foundation we need to provide for our kids when teaching them about the Christian worldview. We need to help them see the magnificent communities that our trees have built and continue to build. We need to help our kids see the natural ethical outcome of these other worldviews. When my kids sit in a college class with an atheist professor who is bashing the Christian worldview, I want them to push back 
graciously, kindly, respectfully, with a Christ-like demeanor. I want them to challenge a worldview that cannot arrive at a Christian moral outcome without a Christian foundation. And I want my kids to be prepared to challenge their, their secular friends, again, graciously and kindly, to explain how they arrive at their lofty moral standard from their secular worldview, because there is a huge disconnect between the naturalist and postmodern worldview foundations and the structures they claim to build. (sighs) Whoa. Whoa, this has been quite a journey, hasn't it? Wow. You know, I hope this deep dive into worldviews has been helpful for you. I have loved studying this fascinating topic and and podcasting on it. This has been such a joy. In the next episode, you know, we're going to lighten things up a little bit and we're going to get really practical. I'm going to give you some guidelines for having conversations about sensitive topics with your kids and, and your friends and your neighbors and your obnoxious family members and less than friendly online acquaintances. Lots and lots of applications there. Those guidelines will certainly apply to all this information we have learned about worldviews and, well, pretty much any topic I address in Christian Parent Crazy World. I want to thank you for joining me today. I know, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and and sharing it on social media and giving it a great review? And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe you could get a Christian Parent Crazy World cake topper for your next big celebration. Yeah, it doesn't have to be in line with the party theme. It could be totally random. That would be so fun. And maybe a little awkward, but really cool don't you think you know just just a thought and be sure to check out my website which is katherinesegers.com that's katherine with a c i have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey and if you subscribe i will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts articles and blogs i want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. To hear more from Katherine Seegers, visit her site, katherineseegers.com If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app? It really does help us connect to more listeners like you. A special thanks to Kelly Gibbons, Stephen Sanders, and Stephen McGarvey for their production and editing on this episode. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com
I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.